very first thing I did was uh, start singing in the church choir. And um, the Baptist church that I went to had a live band. So uh, after a couple of years singing in the choir, I started, I don't know if it was from that or what, but I wanted to learn to play guitar. And a couple of those guys sat down with me and showed me some stuff. And I don't know what, a few months later, I quit going to church. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, how you doing? We're uh, Something in the Water podcast with Sean Clark and Dave Griffin, Caution Light Media, Justin Mercer, and our guest today is Andy Johnson, my mm. good good pal from Thomaston, Georgia, working musician. He's been in a band called Royal Johnson, and uh, now he's doing some solo stuff and some new recordings. Got a baby on the way. He's got all kind of stuff to talk about. How yep. you doing? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be down here hanging out with y'all. Good to have you, buddy. So, uh, you got a baby on the way? Any day now. Due February 19th, but um, she doesn't think she's going to make it that far. I don't either. So. And, uh, I hope I make it that far. Uh, Christy? Caitlin. 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 It's close. Um, close. Mm-hmm. I, I met your wife. Me and me and Lynn, my wife, met your wife at the Hummingbird this past November when you and I were on on the bill up there for mm-hmm. the uh, Georgia uh, Roots Rock Showcase. Yep, uh, it's put on uh, every November by old uh, Daniel Neesmith. Daniel Neesmith, and you're recording with him right now. Yep, right? recording at his home studio called Sky South. Uh, really cool spot, big building out behind his house. Um, kind of just taking it slow and building the tracks, building the songs track by track, and experimenting with sounds and seeing what we can come up with. I mean, I've got I've got several song ideas, so just trying to make them sound like what I'm hearing. You know, it's always a challenge. Are you? Using the same band on every track, or are you bringing in different people for different songs? Uh, every every song's different doing, approach. Yep, yep. yep. So uh, I've awesome. got Rusty Bridgers doing some stand up so far. Cool. Uh, Daniel has recorded some banjo, and um, he and I both have recorded some vocals, and that's about it. as far as we've got. I've done some acoustic guitar tracks, and uh, like I say, oh, we did some percussion. That's right. Had Boo Boo. Robinson come down and uh, uh, do some washboard, some shakers, and cajon. Cool. So, I saw some pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I realized that was uh, Rusty on the upright, yeah. I guess. Yeah, okay. The pajamas might have fooled you. Yeah. <laughs> he was wearing pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. He came, dude, he came in and... Uh, he had heard the songs, I think, once before, and he, he, I kind of went through them and stood beside him and kind of told him what was about to happen on every, and he, he went through it once or twice and just nails it, you know, he's pretty, 
Yeah. Very cool dude. Yes, I like he Rusty. Is. He's, he's, <laughs> he's a wild man. Yeah. So, uh, when do you expect the uh, CD to be finished? No expectation. It's no going to be a while. Um, may even do like a, a, a couple EPs instead of one big release. Just, right. just depends on how fast we can get them done. Um, I'd say we're still a good ways off. We're still just really playing around. Probably gonna, Everything that's on there right now is probably going to be redone. I you guess. Know, so it's all kind of just test run stuff. All the songs were written. So you're not even keeping anything you recorded we're yet. We're keeping yet. everything, but I, I just doubt that anything is the the what we would say is good enough to to keep for the CD. I don't know. Um, I'm assuming I heard some of these new songs. I've heard some new songs of yours. You have heard some of the songs. They were all written solo acoustic for the first time ever. I've always before had the band and written. With a full band in mind, so like you know, uh, I guess it's a totally different approach. Whereas this time I had no no band; all I had was the acoustic guitar in mind, and um, so putting the other parts together is kind of an experiment. Whereas before I kind of knew going into it what I wanted. So, but it's fun this way. Mm, I like uh, the new songs. Yeah, Daniel Daniel's real creative, and he's got an awesome space to work in. Um, we're able to walk in there and get to work really quick and uh, looking forward to whatever we can come up with. Yeah, man, me too. I'm yeah, I've, heard, uh, I've heard, you know, I've heard you sing live, of course, uh, many times and uh, heard uh, Roy Johnson's material and um, <clears throat> very funky, blues, mm -hmm. rock, uh, very soulful. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a good mixture. Uh, where did you? Uh, how did you start out in this this business, this mm. music? What what was your inspiration to to play? <coughs> Way well, back when. Very first thing I did was uh, start singing in the church choir, and um, the Baptist church that I went to had a live band. So uh, after a couple of years singing in the choir, I started. I don't know if it was from that or what, but I wanted to learn to play guitar. And a couple of those guys sat down with me and showed me some stuff. And I don't know what, a few months later, I quit going to church. <laughs> and joined the band. There was a, I was a, my, a class my senior year. Um, and there was a group of guys that had a band that had parties every weekend that I knew about, but they didn't have a singer. They just jammed out classic rock and 90s yeah. alternative tunes and nobody sang. It was just everybody was hanging out partying and having a good time. <laughs> And they were like, you got to come sing. So um, <laughs> I went and tried it out, and I already knew most of the songs that they were doing, uh, the, the words anyway. I had to learn everything. Um, that was definitely uh, kick-started my guitar playing, because at that point I was just trying to put chords together and instantly having to know, you know, 30 songs or whatever. Uh, so played with a music stand the first several gigs at this guy's backyard. Um, but, uh, I think the first two or three gigs I sang through like a 10 inch speaker, like a little amp, oh, a little yeah. guitar amp yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for a PA. Yeah. I heard some stories about Dave. <laughs> you, know, you just make do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever you can. It's funny to me that, uh, uh, Many people who wound up playing devil's music uh, started out 
in church. In the church, yeah. you know. So, I did, I mean, too. I, when he said that, I was like, well, hell, that was, I mean, that was the first I'm, time I was saying I don't mean well, that. Yeah. Don't mean that literally because <laughs> I, I love I love uh, rock and roll, and uh, I don't consider it the devil's music at all, even though Jerry Lee Lewis still does. And But uh, <laughs> um, you look at all the uh, – Aretha Franklin's daddy was a minister, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Ray Charles caught hell for uh, going uh, pop, you know, yeah. uh, because well, you know, all of the music, uh, the music that he started out playing. Tell me what I see, all that stuff, you know. All of his early recordings were just picked right out of the church, as far as what they were doing in the church musically, mm-hmm. you know, and just just change the lyrics to it. That's all, well, you a, know. A lot of rock Amazing. music. Country music, blues music, and, and gospel music uh, deals a lot with right and wrong, black and white. So you can see the it's constant struggle. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. somebody like Blind Willie McTell, he was a he played in juke joints on Saturday night and he he preached on Sunday morning. Right. So probably still smelling like liquor, you know, from the <laughs> night before. So <laughs> yeah, there's always been it. something there. It, it's like an uh, I don't know. It's an inspiration for for people the the, the contrast. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it's 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 attention. It's rubbing right against each other, and it's yielded some great music. <laughs> yeah, I, I always even it's it's like a subconscious thing, but like when writing songs, like my mind always goes back to those kind of chord progressions or that thing, you know. And it's like yeah. a Hank Williams thing, or it's like whatever. But it's like the. My parents' church is—they still do the old hymns, and when I go, I'm like, that—that that progression right there, that mm-hmm. one there, yeah, some, some good stuff. It's good to fall back on, you yeah. know. Yeah, tradition. That's some good stuff. So, uh, so you sang in in the Baptist church choir. I did. Yeah. And <clears throat> uh, after a couple of years, I started taking a few solos here and there, leading the choir on a couple of songs, wow. and uh, yeah, next thing I know, I was in a band. So. <laughs> That's great. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, and I've been chasing something ever since then. I don't know what. Yeah. Once you get a taste of it, it'll it'll run you dry. Well, I never did sing in the church choir, but I did go to a Baptist church right here in Waycross. And it's funny because I never considered myself a singer. I didn't pick up the guitar till I was about eighteen. So, being raised in the church, you know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen years old, I was. I was sitting in the congregation, and I remember one Sunday when I put it all together, I had the old Baptist hymnal out there in front of me, and I, you know, you got your treble clef and your bass clef, and then there's notes on each one, you know. And I started listening to the choir, and, you know, I noticed they had the ladies that sung real high, and yeah. the guy in the back corner, Junior Martin, that sang bass. <laughs> and then you had those in between, and I started watching the notes and listening to them uh-huh. different voices. And and that's really contributed a lot to my ear for harmony mm-hmm. singing, you know, because eventually sure. I did start singing and in, in uh in bands and stuff, and uh, and I owe a lot to that old Baptist hymnal, you know, for kind of bringing me up. Of course, I loved harmony groups when I was growing up, too. I mean, it's like every stage of the way, it was like from Marty Robbins in El Paso with the Glazer Brothers singing those beautiful harmonies on that. Then you got uh, the Beach Boys. Then the Beatles hit. 
than the Eagles. I mean, it was like I would really grab hold of the harmony groups that uh, that inspired me and, and, and listen to them and then getting that from the Baptist hymnal and everything kind of paved the way uh, for me to be in, in, in harmony groups myself. You know? You're a great it's, harmony singer, so. Well, I, I strive, you know, but I hear it, you know, I hear it in my head, man, it's. You wouldn't have it, wouldn't have been for Ethel back there on page 122. Yeah. <laughs> I was about, when you were telling that story, I was like, yeah, I heard all those things. I'm like, oh, he's singing low and he's and looking at the yeah. notes. But people were singing, our church weren't that great. So it, was, it was like, whoa, hang on. <laughs> well, that's the but beauty, were, beauty that, of but it, that I was guess. Even, that's even cool, like the how bad it was, was like something good. Well, as as bad as some of it was, it's still a heap lot better than uh, what they've got out now in the churches with the big screen televisions oh, and everybody standing up <laughs> and and with the soulless rendition of uh, uh, I mean they're like zombies standing out there singing the same lines over and over and over ad nauseum you know and it's like. Give me a little bit of, I don't know. Give me some. Uh, so, I'll fly away and uh, <laughs> and uh, all so, those great hymns from from. But they look upon that now as as regressive. I guess hmm. I don't know. It's beautiful to me. I, I wouldn't trade anything in the yeah, world for those old hymns. Yeah, me too. I'm glad my parents' church is still singing them. You've been performing in churches uh, quite a bit uh, in your parents' church. Yeah, they, they get me about twice a year. <laughs> They're like, hey, it's Mother's Day. <laughs> I say, All right, I'll get – you know, I'll come in Saturday night, 6 in the morning, 5 in the morning from wherever <laughs> we just played, and I'll be there at 9 in the morning to set up the speakers. And, uh, well, that's but, admirable. But it's, uh, you know, it's worth it in the end, but – Man, you, one of my all-time favorite singers, man, you got, like, I always say you, you got the golden voice. Oh, my Lord. I, I do. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I love Dave, too. I mean, Dave is just. I love you, too. Well, <laughs> but you got, like, it's, it's, you know, just the fact that you're, you got the whole making thing going. I mean, Tomston, but, you know, it. It's a Alma Brothers thing, but it's the, I've heard other people try to imitate, but you're not even trying to be, and I feel like you just are. Like you just got a good thing, and you know we've done some shows together, and I'm like, what's what's why is this guy playing guitar with us? <laughs> why am I singing right now? And this guy's over here. You got a you got a good. I wanted to say that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't take compliments very well, so I don't know what to say. But. <laughs> Won't you play us a song? Play us that song that. Tell us about the. Uh, you, you've been going to Mexico the past few years. Yeah, hand me that guitar in there. Yeah, so I went to Mexico the last two, not this past, this January, but the last two Januaries, and uh, participated in a little festival there. And one night last year, we was partying and singing and everybody was we had one acoustic guitar we was passing around and uh 
we were singing about uh, 30 part harmonies i think on some songs and <laughs> we got into a pretty good uh groove of graham parsons and it was at once declared you're in mexico playing graham parsons songs this is just at a house wild. This that's just wild man i wasn't playing them we all were everybody was. but there was people there that was not this was just all musicians that were there performing for the festival. And y'all late at night and came in on some. We Grand all Parsons. started jamming and it. We got into a. Somebody started playing Grand Parsons and it was like, well, I know this one and well, I know this and wow. so anyway, we had our own guitar pool. Awesome. <laughs> um, but um, this song is kind of about. At some point, it was declared that nothing but Grand Parsons was allowed in that house. <laughs> I'll, I want to be at that party. <laughs> so, uh, is this a song? This is a song that you wrote. Yes, this okay. is a true story, and uh, it took a couple weeks later processing what all had happened. But this is a little song I wrote about it. It's called Five Hundred Pesos to Oz." <laughs> But it decided to rain All day in the desert So we decided it would be the same If we stayed here together Till the Mexican morning That'd blow your mind Just picking on the guitars And singing along Until the red sunrise At our house in Mexico Places only cool folks know Like birds from the weather And we'll be as loyal as your own parrot On the streets of Mexico That's where the psychedelic guitar comes in from the weather and we'll be as loyal as your own
woke up in Mexico with all my friends It was a magical morning, yeah, and I'm so glad to be back again Love without a warning, and I'm so glad that I found this place After thirsting through the desert, hoping for tomorrow, but in love with today And our house in Mexico, I love a good whistle song. <laughs> those, are, those are mariachi horns. <laughs> that was great. Oh, you're not going to do the whistle? The, I don't know. I don't know Man, you got to whistle with the horns. <laughs> I love that whistle. That only uh, is that going to be on the. That is. That is. That's the first good. one we started working on. Good. I hope good. so, man. Good. I love that song. <laughs> it's already got bass and banjo and washboard on it. Hell yeah. Which I said, hey, are you? do you need some thimbles? Uh, I was meant to tell you this. Thimbles. Uh, he, he had to procure a washboard for Boo Boo to do, to do the tracks with because he didn't have one. Oh, okay. The washboard thimbles. Yeah. And, and uh, he's like, no, I need a hanger. Played it with a bent-up coat hanger. Never seen that before. Huh? Wow. All over it. Wow. <laughs> cool. Who did that? Boo Boo. Boo Boo. Kenneth Robinson. He played drums with the last incarnation of Roy Johnson. Oh, okay. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, he had it played at Swamp Town. That guy. He was there. Mm-hmm. Okay. I knew, I knew Kenneth Robinson name. But I didn't hear it, hadn't heard Boo Boo yet. <laughs> Royal Johnson. Uh, wasn't there a female drummer at one time? Yeah, the, the very first drummer was female. Yes. Yeah. Miss Joni Ferguson. Yep. Yeah. Cool. And uh, it was Chance Royal and Andy Johnson. That Chance was, Royal and Andy Johnson, was, Chance R.I.P. He passed away last March, unfortunately. Yeah, Chance was a um, good guy. Awesome guy. And How, uh, how long you, did you know Chance? Oh. Were y'all friends before the band? <clears throat> That's what I don't well, know. Like. He's from Thomaston, but he is about five years older than me, so we didn't know each other um, from like school or anything. Um. Around the time I was probably uh, probably about ten years ago, um, I was playing in a band from Thomaston, and he was playing in a making band called Mystery Road. And I heard of that. Um, their singer and second guitarist like quit, so they hired me, and I, and basically, I joined Mystery Road, and that's how I met Chance. I had barely known him a few months before that. And uh, you were. You hired you hired on as a singer or the as a singer and rhythm guitar guitarist, player? yeah. And um, uh, they were an established band in making already with a lot of gigs already on on the books. And uh, I was again playing catch up, you know, with another band and um, <clears throat> played with them probably four or five years. Me and Chance got real close. We were both from Thomaston. Everybody else in the band was from Macon. So we rode practices and all the gigs together and stuff. And uh, I left Mystery Road. About a year late, year or two later, he left Mystery Road. And um, we were both kind of sitting around in Thomaston. And I approached him in like 2015 or 2016 and wanted to record some demos I had. And that was basically the start of Royal Johnson. And I went and recorded uh, some scratch tracks. I came back a couple weeks later 
he had recorded all these ideas on top of it. And I was like, whoa, we got a lot to process here. So we went back and um, started putting an album together. And then the next thing you know, we were like, man, we got to find some uh, like a band to play all these parts we're, we're coming up with and stuff. So, you know. How, y'all had uh, two albums, right? Two full albums two full and two EPs. And two EPs. Mm-hmm. And they can, everybody can find it where? Is it all on Spotify and Amazon? Yeah, yes, yeah, everywhere you can find music. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, Royal Johnson. Yep. Um, we did our first album, Bellyful, at Chance's house. Mostly just me and him. We recorded all the parts, and then we went back and had somebody do drums. And we had uh, Kevin Vines do bass on about half of it. The other half is me and Chance playing bass. Oh, really? I didn't know that part. Yep. Wow, cool. And, um, and then after that, Kevin joined the band, and then Kevin suggested yeah. Joni. Um, so then by the time the second album came around, we did it at Paul Hornsby's studio. Um, he was known for being an engineer at Capricorn and yeah. producer at Capricorn back in the day and um, played even played on a lot of records by Marshall Tucker and Charlie Daniels and even played in the Hourglass with Greg and Dwayne Allman. So that, you know, it was really cool to go work with him. Heck yeah. And did our second album with him and um, thought we made a lot of improvements. I love <clears throat> I love both albums, but the second album, I really I, I listen to it all the time. Well, it helps to have somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me and Chance, when that we did the help. first one at his house, we were just – well, let's try the microphone right here, or let's right. try it over here. And Paul knew. Right? Yeah. Well, he he made us. We had to use his drum kit when we came in because he already had it dialed, dialed in. Up. You know, it's like, well, why would you mess with that? Oh, like, yeah. This guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, he's he's some of that uh, making royalty, that Capricorn royalty from back in the day. Uh, um, one of the uh, um, <clears throat> I've been hosting. Uh, uh, Graham Parsons guitar pool, you know, since 1998, and uh, one year uh, I believe it was uh, 2005 or so. Uh, I had uh, Bonnie Bramlett was scheduled to be the headliner of Delaney and Bonnie, and uh, she was going through a hard time there and. Uh, uh, about two weeks from the festival date, uh, I got a call from Paul Hornsby, and and he said that uh, I got some bad news. Uh, uh, in fact, Paul Paul, along with uh, several other uh, great Capricorn musicians, were to be her backup band. It's called the Capricorn Rhythm Section. It's mm-hmm. Paul Hornsby, uh, Johnny Sandlin. Uh, Scott Boyer, Tommy Talton, and uh, and the drummer, I can't remember his name, but he, he played with Cowboy, one of the old Macon bands. Uh, <clears throat> well, Paul <laughs> Hornsby called me up about two weeks out and said, uh, Bonnie is not going to be able to make it. And uh, he said, we got... Uh, couple of options though i'll i'll help you through this the best i can and uh he said uh we can either do uh delaney and bonnie's daughter 
Becca Bramlett, or we can do Jimmy Hall, the lead singer for Wet Willie. And uh, and uh, nothing against Becca and everything, but I was looking at it from the standpoint of recognition and people around South Georgia my age would probably know exactly who Wet Willie and Jimmy Hall was yes. a lot sooner than they would Becca Bramlett. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so... Uh, so Paul Hornsby helped us uh, pull through that situation. He's a great guy and uh, part of that Capricorn royalty. And, uh, that was a good show, too. It was a good show. It was a little uh, less relevant to Graham Parsons, yeah, so to speak, but, uh, but it, uh, you it, know. Was, it was very soulful. He's yeah. a great player. Uh, yeah. He's got some killer equipment at his studio, yeah. and uh, he was more than willing to jump in on a few songs. Uh, yeah. There were some where we wanted him to play, and he said no. He was like, no, it doesn't doesn't need anything else, you know. And uh, he whatever produced. you say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, you know, he had a he had the uh, the B three and Wurlitzer he used in the Hourglass. Wow. It, took, it, it has uh, stencils on it. It took 45 minutes to warm it up. We got in there, and it was like 45 minutes. <laughs> like the wheels were squeaking bad. And he's like, well, let's just go in there and listen to some cuts for a while. And we come back in there, and it was still, we, it was still whining. So he played on that first album? Yeah, he plays album. on uh, two or three songs what on What do you think about it? The Wurlitzer and the Leslie and everything was like uh, 40, 50 years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And his his studio is really cool, and uh, it was awesome just going in there and hoping that he would want to talk or tell some kind of not wanting to press him, you know, or be a fanboy <coughs> too much, but like having him open up and tell some stories and stuff mm. was really neat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, have him to even suggest ideas. Like we'd be recording, and he'd come in and say, "All right, you, you need to," you know, I can't remember which song it was, but he we he totally changed the drum beat. That we had rehearsed up, and Dang. he was like, "It's just not." So he's it's like, not "Come clicking. here and listen to it if you want to, but it's just not." And you know, and we we talked about it for a while, and I was like, I "Need to fucking listen to him," you know. So he laid some production <laughs> down on y'all. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he changed a few things and uh, harmonies and stuff like that. We we I had brought some people in to do harmonies, and he was like, "No, no, no, y'all y'all come in here." And he we sat down at the piano, and he's like, "You need to do this part, wow. do this part." Yeah, that's pretty neat. That's so, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> But just to even have him care enough to want to right. change it, you know, was pretty neat to me. So. Yeah, uh, sometimes you go into situations like that and they don't care. Yeah, that give me the su- money. They don't care that you're sucking. Yeah. They're just like another hour, just you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But when you got somebody that's going to put in the no, y'all, you boys need to, you know. We had that, and uh, I was in a band, Jack Cadillac, and uh, we went to Dallas and recorded. And um, Sam Taylor, who's amazing, uh, he actually videoed the first um, or the '80s ZZ Top videos. He was the, you know, the, <laughs> got the key and the, the car and the doing the same moves. That was all Sam Taylor. That, that was, was him. that was him that came up with all that. And he actually came up. We we need a keychain and all this stuff. Anyway. He's an amazing keyboard player and a pianist. And we went there and recorded, and we didn't know who he was or nothing. We just met him. And um, 
he's just like, yeah, this song's good, but what if we take that middle part and we make that the intro yeah, and the outro? And y'all, that other part y'all got, yeah, it's not working. Just take that out or whatever. And sometimes you're like, well, why didn't, you know, and it wasn't a thing of like us getting pissed off about it. It was like, wow, that is so obvious. And yeah. why didn't we think of it? You know? Yeah. Well, because you've heard it a million times right. already. <clears throat> and sometimes it just takes a fresh set of ears of somebody that's not afraid to, to, just say something when it sounds weird, you know. Mm-hmm. Like your friends will be like, "Oh, yeah. that's, that sounds great, right. man! That's the best song you've ever wrote." Scared to say anything, or don't notice anything because right. they don't know what they're, you know, what they're listening that's to. Or, that's what know. a producer, yeah, gets paid for. Yeah, I mean, uh, looking back in the classic days of of music, because it's all changed so much now. Uh, George Martin's and uh, <laughs> yeah. Tom Dowd's and. Uh, it's those guys that have made they recordings were like, happen. Well, you know? they they changed. Yeah. Uh, 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 the the uh, output of the musicians they they actually changed it for the better. You know, in a lot of cases. So Sam was uh, producing out there. Yeah, he was producing. Was, yeah, and didn't y'all have uh, Jamie Oldacker? Old Jamie Oldacker. Yeah. yeah. Uh, didn't he play on also, some of it? Yeah. He, um, what was funny is we were going out there and we had <coughs> Dylan Crosby and he was 17, I think. He was young. Yeah. Young. And uh, our, our our main drummer wouldn't go. He's like, y'all, y'all got to pay me to go and I got to get this or whatever. And uh, no names mentioned. First of all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so... My, my my buddy's little brother was a badass drummer, and uh, he could play the hard stuff, but he couldn't play the easy stuff. He couldn't play the you know four on the floor. Yeah, it was too if it was too easy, he you know he got off or whatever. And he, he was young and he was <clears throat> amazing drummer, uh, Dylan Crosby. And then we went out there, and I said, look, you know he we've only been practicing with him for a few weeks, you know, and he and the, the guys involved said, you know. We'll have a we'll have a drummer lined up, and it was we got out there and they're like, "This is Jamie Aldacker," and I was like, "Hey, how how you doing?" Well, Jamie Aldacker, when he was sixteen, he played on Ed Sullivan. I don't know what performance or who he's playing with mm-hmm. then, but then he played with Clapton for like twenty or thirty years, and currently playing with Seeger for Bob Seeger for thirty or forty years. We're like. Dude, what? He's like, oh, oh, that live version of Turn the Page? Oh, that was me. <laughs> this, that, that was me. He even played with Ace Frehley's Comet. Like, and he told a funny story about that, about showing up and uh, like, he's like, I got this badass set and that was, you know, like from a company that was sponsored to him and all this stuff. And the hoops were wood grain. And they're like, what is this country music I mean, what is this country bullshit drum set you got? You know, you got to get them wood frames off of there and get you some black ones or whatever. But he was just, you know, it was this gig at the time or whatever. Uh, he was a great guy. Yeah. And uh, he came in there and just tore it up, and it was a pleasure to play with him. I remember uh, reading a story about Jamie Oldacker when he was uh, playing with Eric Clapton. Uh, he went to... England, 
and was staying. Uh, I think they may have been staying in George Harrison's. No, he was staying. Mansion. He was staying. I, in the st- I told Clapton. you this story. You told me this story. Dude. I didn't read it. Yeah, <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> Tell that story. One of those audio books. He, he's young. Great. He, he's That's like great. he's like twenty something probably. It, it, He's playing. He just started playing with Eric Clapton. And he goes and stays at Eric Clapton's mansion, and he's he's like one of the first nights there. I'm like laying in bed, going, "I'm in Eric Clapton's mansion," and you know, can't even sleep. He's just so enthralled with just. And uh, the door flies open, and there's a silhouette of somebody holding like a mandolin, playing a mandolin. He's like, "Hey, what's an asshole?" And he's like. It was George Harrison, <laughs> and all he could get out of his mouth was, "You're you're you're one of them." That's all he could say to him. And he's like, "Yeah, it was the asshole." And he's like, "He's down the hall." Oh. <coughs> Who was the asshole, Eric? Eric. He was looking for Eric, but uh, he was probably calling dude. him an asshole because he stole his bride. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No. Probably why. No, they traded. Yeah. His autobiography is great. You ever read that? Clapton's. Clapton's? I haven't. I haven't. Very good. Is that new? Not very new. No. Well, I need to get that. Tennis, I need to get that. Yeah, I should have known about that. What's it called? Yeah. No idea. But he, um, <clears throat> I thought it was remarkable how much he was able to remember from his getting messed up days and, and yeah. be able to and reflect on stuff? why he did the things he did <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. And that was a lot of years, I mean, mm-hmm. and a lot of different vices, you know. Mm. Yep, he's able to remember all. I don't know if he went through journals or friends' collections or what, but it was pretty neat. Probably he was a lot able of to document it. It's almost like he has mm-hmm. like a psychologist view of his life. Like he was really? able to reflect. Well, this is why I am the way I am because of these things that happened to me. Uh-uh. I don't know. You wonder. You know, uh, it's like you, man. How's you, your memory? I mean, mine is how's your memory? Mine is sucky, and yours. I don't think it's that anybody, bad with any of us. If really, anybody you know, that I know, I think if I you were to sit stories. down and really focus in and and just train you, kind of like a psychology session or something, no, you'd be able to train no. your mind into saying, "Okay, now this." Dave tells a story, and it's like. <laughs> There was a yellow dog, and it was a Thursday. And I turned to my right. Now, that, I like, did what? Me and my wife did watch something about um, how badly you can misremember things. Yeah, misremember people, yeah. even yeah. in like mur- capital murder cases that are closed for thirty years. They go yeah. and uh, re right. and re ask the same questions to the same witnesses, uh-huh. and they give totally different answers totally different. of uh, what they remember, what they saw, because just you. Your mind, you know, takes certain memories and Did replaces he tell them. Me that you were, uh, you remember when you were born? No, no. We were just talking I, about that. Yeah, I don't remember that. I ain't never met anybody. No, but tell us about my family, my sister, and my mom. Like I, I always say, I remember when I was there two, was and this happened. Well, the we were, the and they all the, the joke is, you remember being born? Oh, oh, it's you. You remember being born? Well, well, excuse talk, me, you yeah, remember being born? We yeah. were talking about that the other day because I said him that I, I had very few memories when I was like. Anything before five. Yeah. Okay. And he was like, I remember, you know, being a toddler. I don't. I have, I have a distinct memory, and I didn't know until a few years ago when I was looking back at pictures and saw my myself in a coat 
with my, only my face sticking out. <laughs> like, was it Kenny? Kenny. <laughs> and, I, and I saw oh, the year, and I knew I was two years old. But I have this memory of being in snow, and we were living in this trailer, which I know a year after that we had the house. But my dad hit me in the face with a snowball, <laughs> and it went down my coat, inside my neck. And I remember it being the coldest, suckiest thing ever. You've ever Ooh, had. And I have not liked snow since then. And <laughs> early trauma. I, I, I mean, do remember. It's, it's, <laughs> early uh, trauma. It's, it's a little bit traumatic. You <laughs> yeah. know? I think that's my earliest memory as well. <laughs> I, I remember getting hit in the face with a snowball. <laughs> no, well, I have two early traumatic memories. Tell them. Uh, no, well. Well, well we got to leave know. one out. I think they were about three and a half years old, maybe four. Uh, was And that would be my earliest recollections of, of anything, really. Uh, one, uh, me and uh, my brother and, and a friend up the road on Dog Hill was standing in the driveway of our house, and he had a brand-new bicycle. And this, this was back in probably 57 when uh, bikes were made with steel, you know, <laughs> titanium or whatever it was. It was, it was like hard so, and heavy. And uh, the so, little fenders, they used to have fenders that came over died. the front of the tire. And uh, this guy's uh, bicycle had, uh, had Donald, uh, a little head, Donald Duck's head sitting right between the handlebars, and I was admiring that. And uh, somehow the bike turned over and fell on me and cut me on the shoulder. The fender cut me on the shoulder. So that was my first memory wow. of anything. It's trauma. Yeah. And it hurt. It hurt bad. <laughs> <laughs> you still scared of bikes? <laughs> no, but Donald Duck. I'm still scared of thing. cold. <laughs> I remember uh, when I when I was two, we moved into the house that my parents still live in. So, but I live. I remember that house before then, which was a small house on Washington Avenue. And uh, I remember I had a white teddy bear with, like, light blue paws and nose and stuff. And I remember throwing it down the hallway, and we had those gas heaters, and it landing in the grill mm. and scorching the back of it. And I remember that it was always scorched after that. <laughs> Hard. So I guess that was trauma too. <laughs> it was trauma for the name. And I, re I remember the bedroom having like we had. I had one of those big styrofoam gliders that you could throw. Yeah. In. It was hanging. It was like took up most of my room because it was so big. So what do you think the earliest possible memory is of individuals? Yeah. I mean, how, 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 how early I, can you remember? Something? I had to be like That's, one and a half. I think or something. it depends. It, it it varies individually. Because I know a I lot of people real, that can, it was be, real dark that can it quote got, you something from two, you know, or or even it, earlier than that. Well, yeah, that what I'm talking about was before two, so it yeah, one and a half. Seems like we'd be able to remember the doctor going. Yeah, I remember you know, it was real dark, and then it got real bright. It's light at the <laughs> end. It got real cold. Got real I was real warm, and I got real cold. <laughs> and I was like, hell, it is real confusion. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Something in my blood starts to take a hold. Something in my bones start to lose control. Something in the water gonna 
in the water gonna make me see Something in the water gonna set me free <laughs> All right, where do we go from there? What have you been writing, Dave? I, uh, you, you write like three songs a night. It's all in the dreams. <clears throat> Tell us about your songwriting process. What is a, how does a typical song come about for you? What is the normal? Well, it ain't typical. I'll say that to start off with. Ain't no right or wrong way to write a song. And uh, there's people that write all the books about how you do it from point A to point B. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> well, hey, just go ahead and take that. Well, there ain't no right or wrong way to write a song, is what I'm saying. That, it'll that's come right. To, it'll yeah. come to you in a dream, so or it'll sure. come to yeah. you when you're having your cup of coffee in the morning. It'll come to you when you're Well, riding. tell us one way how one came to you one time. Oh, God. Well, let's see. Riding the lawnmower. <laughs> Washing your beard. <laughs> I was combing my beard one night. Yeah, a uh, uh, couple of times I've 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 dreamed some lyrics, and uh, uh, happened to be at the uh, the rapid eye movement portion of the dream, which is right before you wake up. So I was lucky there, and. Uh, uh, first thing I did was roll over and grab my phone and sing froggily into the phone what I was singing in my dream. And it weren't but a line, you know, just a little line, but it yielded a whole song once I got woke up and uh, figured out what it was that I was singing. <clears throat> That's what, fun. That's what, always fun. What was it? Do you, can you play yeah, it was. Uh, let's see, it was called uh, Honey, Let's Make Love Tonight. Yeah, I know that one. Can you do this on a podcast? Can you sing about sex? You can do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm for it. And, and Are you, you okay with paying yourself copyright money? <laughs> you wrote the first verse or in your sleep, or how, how much you wrote? Oh, it's First line of the second verse was what I dreamed, and then okay. the rest just came together. Like two love bugs on an automobile, let's make hot love on a cool windshield. Ain't no secret about the way I feel, honey. Let's make love tonight. Like a humpback bull and a cut tooth cow. Ain't no time like here and now Don't ask why, don't ask how Honey, let's make love tonight Let's get a little dirty and take a bath together Do what we can to make life better Spring is sprung and the time is right Honey, let's make love tonight Like a big old skeeter on a bear behind I can take a little bite and honey I don't mind You can scratch my itch if you're inclined Honey let's make love tonight Let's get a little dirty and take a bath together 
Do what we can to make life better Spring is sprung and the time is right Honey, let's make love tonight Honey, let's make love tonight Red grow the roses in the morning dew The birds are doing it and the bees are too All that leaves is me and you So honey, let's make love tonight Honey, let's make love tonight Please, let's make love tonight Please Please. Yeah. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. That's good. That's good. And uh, that gets so much more important when you're 66. That's catchy. That's catchy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> catchy. All right. But anyhow, I dreamt it. You I dreamt, dreamt the uh, the. Uh, this is what I dreamed. I, I said, like a humpback bull. And a berry tooth cow. That was actually the line that That's I dreamed. And you remembered I, that when you woke up? Oh, yeah, it was fresh. <laughs> That's a long line to again. remember. A humpback bull and a berry tooth cow. Like a humpback bull wow. and a berry tooth cow. That's because <laughs> cows eat berries, or yeah. do they? Or That's do the they? only line you had. <laughs> a berry that was it. That was it. A berry tooth cow. And uh, it sounds like. And I I've figured, heard. you know, that that ain't right. So I changed it to like a humpback bull and a cud tooth cow. Cud tooth. Well, that's close enough. It it, it sings a whole lot better. Yeah. Well, dreams don't know best. What What that's about right. the dream that I had of? Uh, that was amazing. Of, I had a dream that you had a song that just. Yeah, the, you the, had the dream. I had, I had the dream, and, and that, uh, that you were that like, I wrote a song. That you wrote a song that like just called rock, uh, rocketed you into stardom with this the song. And it was called uh, "Sailing on a Sea of Cellophane." <laughs> and and I can't, I couldn't remember how the song went, but I remembered how it made me feel. And it was like, it was like, man, this is the best Dave song that is. And, and all your songs are good, but the, I'm like, Dave has done it with this. One. He is. The stars have a line, and I woke up and I told you what I remembered of it, which was sailing on a sea of cellophane, and then you wrote this song. You, you sailing on a sea. Of cell. I went. Uh, I went home because you told me that you dreamed I wrote sailing I some, on a I sea some, of cellophane. I, I went and wrote. I want some song. credit. On that that's one. a. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, songwriting is a test for 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 all of us songwriters. I mean, you got to get them where you get them. No, you know? sure. Sometimes you dream them. Sometimes they come out of the clouds. Sometimes you overhear somebody in the grocery line in front of you. Sometimes some somebody comes up to you and says, "I had a dream that you wrote a song." <laughs> But well, I, I guess I better. Was, uh, I guess I better get on it. I figured. And here's was, the word. I figured that was a, yeah. a, a song did. exercise. I did for me to chase down, and so I chased it down. It goes something like this. No, I don't know. And, and, I don't know. And it. what's crazy is you don't know it to play. I can't it. sing that song. Come I'd have on. to have my book out because it's very intricate. We got the internet. It's, it's psychedelic, 
And I wish, and this I'd like to say, I wish your dreams would come true because you said this song that catapulted me into money. Of all the songs, <laughs> yeah. well, this is the one. Well, uh, what's crazy is the the song that you wrote made me feel the same way that I felt in the dream. You've heard me sing this yes. before? Yeah. Really? Several well, times. There it is. Well, now I want to hear it. And, and I'm like, well, damn, that is... Because all I remembered was the feeling that it made me feel. And then you wrote the song after I told you about it, and I didn't tell you how it made me feel. I just said, hey, well, I dreamed this. And then he wrote the song that made me feel the way I felt in the fucking dream. There's something to this. Cause <laughs> I, had a, I had a dream that I told a line to Dave, and he said that was a song, but I can't remember what it was. Well, that's where that's the part where you messed up. Well, you see, <laughs> yeah, I need to start fucking listening to Dave. has an energy. Yeah, you know? no, I don't dream that often. We did a podcast last week, and when he I speaks, had, you I need had, to fucking listen. Yeah, I had a dream like last night or the night before, and I was walking behind Dave, and I said something, and he turned around and said, "That's a song." You just grabbed his thoughts. And I can't remember what the foot. line. I can't remember what the line. Well, it's difficult, really. <laughs> I mean, you, you're coming out of a, a dead sleep, you know, and uh, yeah. you know how hard it is to remember dreams on I normally. I normally don't you know? remember mine, but I remember that. I, they are fresh when they're come when I'm waking up, real fresh, to the point that I can lull my eyes back closed again and continue the dream. Continue. I've done that yeah. before. You know, there are exercises to help you practice to be able to do that. You, you can get some uh, things on. You can buy a book, and it tells you. You can uh, get like a mask, <laughs> like a sleep mask that covers like your CPAP. eyes. No, not a CPAP, <laughs> but a sleep mask. And uh, you know the, the cover your eyes from the from the light or whatever, but they all have a light in them. That and you like press go, I guess, when you're trying to lay down and go to sleep. And like three hours and whatever, I mean, whatever the time is that it wants to come on to, when you're dreaming, it'll start flashing a red light, and you train yourself to recognize that that's what that is, and you're in your dream still, and you can. Or I'm dreaming right now, so I can fly this car, or I can jump off the building, or whatever. Lucid, lucid, lucid dreaming. Really? Yeah. I, have- I don't need no damn mats. <laughs> my damn dreams are lucid as hell. One of the coolest dreams I ever had <laughs> was I was walking across the street diagonally across the street, and somebody was walking diagonally across the street in the opposite direction. And it was Bob Dylan, but it was like young, white button-up shirt, black vest Bob Dylan with a big afro. Hey, man. Hey, man. man," With sunglasses. And and I walked by him, and I was like, Bob Dylan? And he's like, hey, "Hey, man, come on, man. I'm going to show you something. And uh, he he had like a a hand glider, (laughs) like a hand glider. Hang glider, hang glider, hang glider. He was hanging, or, and he, he starts, and I, and I, then all of a sudden I got one, and I'm like running behind him, and like we're, we're hang gliding down the street back and forth, and that was the coolest dream I ever had. <laughs> yeah, skip. <laughs> that, was a, that was his inspiration for blowing in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> uh, I'm going. Have a good day. Goodbye. Bye.
Loud. You're out of here. We lost one. Dreams. I always have some really crazy ones, and then I wake up and I go, and I can't remember it. That's me. Well, I I remember it was really crazy. Right, right. You have to really dig hard to to, and I've I love that too. I love I love remembering. It's challenging. It's it's just like it. A little piece will come back into your head for about three seconds. Have you always remembered your dreams? Well, not always, but. um, I remember some very vividly, you know. Yeah. Some of my dreams are... are uh, recurrent? You have any recurrent dreams? I don't have any recurring dreams, but uh, the ones that stand out to me that I can remember, you know, clearly, uh, after several years, you know, or some of them are very biblical, Yeah. Were they reoccurring or just no, once no, it, no, once no, it's just really that's when you walked out no, the, do not recurring, but uh, <laughs> smoke your crack just, or whatever. Uh, some of my top tens, you know. <laughs> you have you have any strong recurring dreams that you not not reoccurring, but I have strong dreams that I remember from when I was little, like yeah. ones like that was one that stuck out, you know, and that one and that one, mm-hmm. but uh, is that you? Sorry, that was the uh, <laughs> new shoes. The squeaking on the on the stool. I have a recurring what? dream of sliding down this hill of mud. It's really? Like a dirt, steep, red clay. And, and you've had this recur- recurring dream for how long? Fucking years. Still to this day. It has. I mean, it only happens every few years, but I've had it multiple times. Is it always my the life. same, or is it different? It's like there's a contest of people trying to get up a hill. Or across the hill, but there's a steep hill going up, and I'm like constantly sliding down it. I don't know. Wow. Like a dirt, like almost like a like a BMX or like a dirt back dirt bike track. You know what I'm saying? Like just yeah. straight mud. But I don't know. some of my that's, that's my some weird shit uh, to be recurring dreaming about. <laughs> favorite that dreams. That of something I think I got steep too. But, but they're highways. It's always bridges or interstates. And like stuff. I'm sliding down this hill. A lot of different dreams about interstates and stuff. Now, I, 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 was, I guess because I've traveled a, a hell of a lot. What does life. it mean? Yeah, man. I don't know. I remember going across the uh, that bridge and uh, just south of New Orleans. Uh, it's one of the oldest bridges. And it's narrow as hell. Long bridge? It, yeah. Well, it wasn't terribly long. It was long enough to suit me. But, uh, New Orleans? Yeah. Uh, and I don't think I was even driving the van that time. But we were, it was a group that I was in, and we were traveling out to Texas. And uh, we went over that bridge in New Orleans. Bridges, I normally ain't scared of bridges, but... Uh, uh, had to certain there. ones and there was one down at St. Petersburg back when I lived down there in about 65, 66 one between Tampa and St. Petersburg at that time was one of these it looked like it went straight up and uh, um, Lord I hate them bridges <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they be so long and tall. <laughs> they be so long and tall. <laughs> Have mercy. Have mercy. <laughs> Lord, I hate them bridges. Take me to the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that confounded bridge? Hey, the long one you're talking about is uh, Lake Pontchartrain. The one above, in, in New the one above New Orleans. Yeah. Coming down yeah, from the yeah, top yeah. side, you go over this long ass lake. I don't know how many miles it is. It's long. It's one of the longest in North America. Yeah. Lake it's a show nuffer. But I think that, it's just long and flat, that, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah, there's a song with that in it. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, what is that song? Lake Pontchartrain. Train. Uh, train. Yeah, that song. Yeah. Who is that? I don't know what you're talking about. The first time I heard it, the Page Brothers covered it, and it was really good. Man, they're good. Yeah. So I've been riding by this restaurant in uh, Hunter, where close to where I'm working, and it's had Page Brothers are playing there for a month now. And every time I, I come, I look. Apparently, the restaurant's been closed for several months, and, and, and they're thinking I'm going to catch Page Brothers. And Wings are us. Wings are us. Yeah, well, it had to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It ain't there, but so apparently we can say Page their Brothers name is the now. last band to play there. We can yeah. say their name. Legally. We can say their name now. They're no longer open. Sponsored by. Did they close down? That's what he said. Tonight's episode. Apparently, because it said Page Brothers. <laughs> it's been there since the last time I was here uh, a month or two ago. Page Brothers after yeah. Thanksgiving. Friday night. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Page Brothers is great there. Yeah, they are. Man, they got some. They're they going to be at brotherly the, soul. They're going to be disappointed to find out they were you not actually playing there for uh, tomorrow. Night. Good, good. That, that'll be a. Going to go check them out. That'll be a. That'll be a kick. Yeah, that'll be. We, a, we hope to have them on. Yeah, one of the yeah. pod, podcasts. When a cold black water finds its way across through your veins, it just might. Down here in Waycross, <laughs> the land of the trembling earth. We're all the ways cross. We're all yeah. the ways cross. And I tell you, I ain't from nowhere around here, but y'all got some y'all some pretty cool folks down this ways. Well, you ain't too far. What makes you say that? Well, I'm just saying. I feel like different folks all over Georgia. Georgia's a real unique yeah, place. Yeah, you it got is, the mountains, you, you, you can got go, the, yeah. the the middle, and you got the coast, and you got all in between. So it's like yeah. within a five hour drive, you got all different lifestyles, yeah. and it, different kinds of people. Hell, even right here, Ware County, Pierce County, it's like you can almost tell the difference between that and I mean, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. but uh, something about you, man, it's like. When I met you, I was like, yeah, we're we're from the same 
well, you know. <laughs> Cut from the same cloth. Well, I yeah. sure am glad to be hanging with you folks down here. And, uh, you know. We appreciate you coming on, huh? Playing uh, with the PBDs. I, I'm playing with y'all coming up some. Yeah. Uh, when, when, when Jody needs a family day, we got, we got <laughs> Andy sitting in with us some. I'm so what you got coming league. up next? Gigwise, anything well, special? I've, I've tried to not book anything because I got a baby coming any day now. Right. And the wife is actually nervous about me being here right now. But okay. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, let's see. I know you're playing with us. Playing uh, with y'all in March. I know. Um, a few times, playing up in the mountains, up in uh, Salty Nacuchi, first weekend of March. Uh, with the hippies, some dudes from Macon, yeah. and uh, might be playing with the Pine Box Dwellers in February at a undisclosed location. We can't tell y'all yet. Yeah, it's still it, in the it's, works. It's still in the works, but it's hopefully will come true by the morning time. <laughs> Are you trying to get a another band together? Are you just gonna do the solo thing? I, I have not tried. I honestly, um, I have just been enjoying it. It's it's been about a um, six or eight or ten year stretch of where i was constantly in a band and i was always the guy that was like managing or booking the band and just constantly stressing trying to do that at all times and the last six months i've not done that at all and it's been great i mean kind of like resetting my brain and but you you've been doing that for yourself though, right? You've been booking your own. For thing. sure, yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've booked everything, and I've and I've been doing a few shows here and there. Um, but do you still um, do your uh, your duo? Every once in a while, yep. Still doing the duo with Benny, Mr. Benny, um, Dose yeah. Blues guys. He plays harp. Yep, harmonica. <coughs> um, we do some shows here and there, but I just I've been in, enjoying taking some time off and getting ready for the baby, getting the house and myself ready for the baby because man i tell you after i gotta give it to you sean because managing and booking a band is a real stressful deal and after doing that for six straight years i was a stressed out mess and yeah to imagine going from where i was six months ago to having a newborn baby i couldn't have done it like so mm -hmm. I'm, i was glad to actually have the pause to get myself back grounded and everything mm -hmm. you know it's so. gonna be your first no, I have an 11-year-old son. So. He's got an 11-year-old boy, yeah. Yep, I'm a seasoned vet, but <laughs> with my wife, this is our first, and yeah. uh, we're, you know, we're pumped. Well, that's great, man. Congratulations, both of y'all. We'll be saying that again. Yeah, yeah we'll bring few, the baby down few, here as soon as it's born, as soon as it can come Any out. Can, we, can yeah. we interview the baby? Yeah. Yes, we'll bring it down here and see what it has to say I, about so, it. So how do you think about it? What, what, so, do, you, what do you think about how's it? How's it in the other day? <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> hey, look it out here. It's cold. Hey, baby. <laughs> what about it, Dave? What about a uh, tale uh, of the week? Sure, let's do. Uh, mm. uh, let's do uh, another tale of the week, folks. Musical insights and. Uh, Random memories from the mind of uh, Uncle Dave Griffin. Mm. Don't get no better. 
Lean on that mic there, Davey. This is uh, called Chapter 2, Life in Tripoli, 1959. Tripoli, Libya in the late 50s was a magical, memorable place. I was all of four years old when we moved there in 1958. Following the liberation of Libya from German occupation during World War II, the United States leased Huilis Air Base from the Kingdom of Libya, ruled by King Idris. Daddy was stationed there a year and a half and brought Mama, me, and my older brother Gary along. We lived off base in an apartment compound filled with the melting pot of exotic people, sights, and sounds. From the rooftop of the two-story apartment building where Mama hung the clothes to dry and our birthday parties were celebrated, you could look north and see the gold dome of King Idris's palace gleaming in the African sun. To the east, over the wall that surrounded the compound, there were palm trees scattered in the sand and a small railroad track that carried a little diesel train blowing thick black smoke as it went. From our balcony, we would also see Arab citizens going about their daily routines, dropped to their knees in prayer several times a day. On the west side of the compound was a main street lined with horse-drawn carriages called Gary Ann's, parked along the curb and used as taxis in the city of Tripoli, where Old World and New World collided. Daddy had a handheld 8mm camera that stamped in my brain forever silent movie memories of our time in North Africa. An Arab lady named Fatima, dressed in a colorful flowering garment and beating on the goatskin head of a ceramic drum, picnicking and hunting Easter eggs in Banana Village just outside the wall of Mussolini's summer home, stranded visionless on the highway while a Ghibli, a sandstorm, thick clouds of wind-blown sand pelted our station wagon. We traveled a lot on weekends, taking in the Roman ruins at Sabratha and Leptis Magna, beach trips to the aromatic blue-green waters of the Mediterranean Sea, or rolling down the majestic sand dunes of the Sahara Desert. Despite the foreign culture and ancient history surrounding me, it seemed like a fairly ordinary life to this little South Georgia boy. We still had our cowboy outfits and Wild West imaginations. Mama still fried chicken, Southern style. The record player in our apartment still played Marty Robbins, Johnny Cash, and Hank Sr. And we added to the family when my sister Debbie was born there on January 7, 1960. Her birth certificate was issued in Sukajuma, and remarkably to this day, she's as white as I am. The most American thing about Tripoli was Wheelis Air Base. As an airman attached to the Strategic Air Command, it was where Daddy went to work and earned a living every day. Mama shopped at the commissary and the base exchange. Gary and I picked out dinkies, matchbox-sized toy cars at Toyland. Halloween carnivals were held inside a huge airplane hangar on the base. Trips to the Oasis ice cream parlor were regular. We ate American cheeseburgers at the Mirage, and the NCO club served breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But it was the base movie theaters that captivated my young heart. The base theater was your standard movie house with theater seats and sloping aisles. 
The other was simply an Air Force hangar with folding chairs, where I remember seeing Jerry Lewis in Sad Sack. It was the movies at the base theater that stand out most in my memory. I was angry at the man who shot and killed Bambi's mother, not realizing that I was the enemy. I was moved by the audiovisual combination of the King of the Cowboys, Roy Rogers, on the back of Trigger, jumping over a bramble log out of the big screen while the Sons of the Pioneers sang, Don't Fence Me In. I was scared to death when Kirk Douglas's left eye was clawed out by Tony Curtis's Falcon in The Vikings. I was thrilled by the high-speed chases between Robert Mitchum and the Revenuers in the moonshine epic Thunder Road. I would hang on every word in each note of the unforgettable movie theme songs in The Hanging Tree and The Legend of Tom Dooley. But the one that appealed to me the most was a Walt Disney film, Old Yeller, the story of a boy and his dog. The movie starred Fess Parker, who I recognized from TV as Davy Crockett. Chuck Connors, the rifleman. Tommy Kirk as Travis and Kevin Corcoran in his little Arliss. Over the years, I've shared this classic with my children and grandchildren. Old Yeller was my childhood favorite. It dealt with the responsibilities of growing older and the loss of something that you love. Filmed in beautiful Technicolor, it was a lot like growing up in Tripoli, Libya where the blues were bluer, the greens were greener, and real life never paled in comparison. Yes, sir. Thank you, Dave. It's Thank you, yes, sir. And so it was. When the cold black water finds its way Just might see your face.